Denton Beach is, is unique at that time particularly, cause, uh, especially for me, because it was amazing for me to see how that community and those people accepted me and really trusted me. For the Marin Council of Chambers, I'm Stephanie Plant, and this is We Are One Marin. Stinson Beach has been called the most Southern California of Marin's beach towns. In a town of 541 people, where there are three real estate agencies, two restaurants, one grocery store, and about 150 rental houses, there is only one residential cleaning business. That's good and clean. Stinson Beach is separated from the rest of the county by a steep, windy two-lane highway. Along the drive there, you may see a few white cars with Jeremy and Milton Gooden's company name branded on all sides. This remote beach town supports Good and Clean as its only black-owned business since Milton began it in 1996. I guess in some ways we found this one little place where we could kind of flourish and kind of beat the odds of the expectation of how things could have gone or where he could have ended up. His son Jeremy officially started in 2006 after graduating college and brought with him some ideas for expansion and modernization, like the hybrid cars, to grow their business. As in our previous episodes about Marin City, today we have a deeper conversation about the black experience in Marin, in business, and in the United States in general. So for Milton, the talk of community is a chance to reflect on how far he has come, and it's a story that might surprise you. Stay tuned as we clean house with father and son on our continued pursuit of how Marin works. Perhaps, let's see, Milton, maybe I'll start with you. When did you start this business? Well, I started this business back in 1996. I really wasn't expecting to come here and open a business. I actually was, at the time, looking for an opportunity other than what I had in Santa Rosa. I was working with a lumber company pulling logs off, and I just felt like, you know, I needed to do something else. Mm. I wasn't making enough money to support myself, so I, you know, packed my car up and moved here to Marin County. I had a job offering from a friend who worked for Stinson Beach Realty Mm. to work alongside her. Um, I still didn't have a home or rental, so I actually... uh, checked into a homeless shelter because I did have an alcohol problem too. Mm. So I stayed in that homeless shelter probably for about six months or so. You know, working with her at Stinson Beach, I still wasn't able to support myself enough. So I asked her, could I clean some homes for her? Mm. And on the weekends, I would, you know, start cleaning homes and Jeremy would join me. I actually started hiring some of the homeless in the shelter to work with me. And things started growing. And I got a lot of support from the community there. And they were giving me jobs after job after job. I bet. And it just grew out of that. Um, Like I said, I wasn't expecting it. I thank the Lord to this day that, Hmm. you know, he brought me here and it changed my life. And the people of Stinson who actually supported me during that time. Hmm. So, you know, that's actually what started us out. You see the good and clean cars all over the county, and, and I love. Maybe it's one car, and somebody just drives all over the place. Right. But it's it more, the I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know your story. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've worked with Jeremy, but that that is heartwarming. When you got that start in the late '90s, was it mostly just residential cleaning at the beginning? I guess if it was one of the realtors, then she must have been doing rentals and having you help. Yes, yes, it was mostly rentals. Um, 
uh, Stinson Beach Realty was there, I think, two years, and she decided to hang it up and oh. and move. I um, wanted to take over the office, but the owner at that time didn't really know me. But one of the community uh, owners, uh, homeowners, who was my client, decided, hey, Milton, we'll get the office for you, and we'll share it. So they started oh. <laughs> selling little trinkets and souvenirs out of the office, and I had, you know, I was running my cleaning service mm. out of there. And, uh, yeah, it was all about rental, you know, inside Sea Drift, Bellinas, that area. So that's all we particularly did. Stinson Beach has changed a lot since 1996. <laughs> the homes in Sea Drift, you probably know better than I what the percentage is of how many of those homes are rentals and how many are permanent residents or lived in full time. So... Those rental houses, they turn over. They're rented for a weekend. They're rented for a week. You must clean them a lot. Would you say the largest portion of your client base is in town, or is it on this side of the hill? Well, that's the way it started out. Uh, it was mostly in Stinson Beach in the surrounding area. It was mostly vacation rentals. It's not very profitable. It, it's mm-hmm. just something, especially during the summertime when oh. people uh, at its worst, that you have to gear up for, you have to have extra staff, you know, you, it, it's just rush, 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 and, you know, everybody. The town is just small enough to me, it seems sometimes like it's a giant hotel. Yes. The way that the, <laughs> yes. way that right. the homes turn over in yes. the summer. Yes, yes, But you do have some owners who live there that we clean for, um, and I tell you, some of those owners are some of the best people I've ever met in my whole life. Mm. Um, they have contributed to things like when Hurricane Katrina destroyed my family home in New Orleans, they mm. put a donations together and put thousands of dollars to donate to my family. Uh, Stinson Beach is, is unique at that time, particularly, cause, uh, especially for me, because uh, it was amazing for me to see how that community and those people accepted me mm. and really trusted me in their homes and, and gave me that opportunity. I have to say that. Because they did. Um, but, you know, it got so hard for the cleaners and hard for us each year, year after year. And when Jeremy came in, it got, he saw this and he said, Dad, we got to make some changes here. We can't keep this up. This is straining the staff. We're not making enough money. So he wanted to move away from that. And he can tell you the story on that one. We did start off doing rentals primarily. I think over the years we realized, like, basically the rental business in Stenton, and it, it used to be just three months. So three mm-hmm. months of the year, and then it was just one day a week. They did all the turnovers on Fridays. I don't know who thought mm-hmm. of it or who came up with it, but every single real estate office would turn over every house on Friday. So <laughs> sometimes back then we were doing 20 to 25 different houses on one Friday, wow. which – you know, with the laundry and everything, it was like the most untenable situation yeah, of all time. And you couldn't get enough workers. Who wants to work one day a week, you know? Right. So you didn't have for the work for three months of the year. Yeah. Right. So over the years, we transitioned away from rentals a little bit and trying to do more um, general house cleaning, janitorial stuff, construction cleaning, um, larger projects, prep for sale cleanings, uh, move out cleanings, hmm. basically anything, deep cleanings, anything else we could do 
Um, and it was just a slow process. So, you know, over the years, slowly, slowly, you'd see our rentals, the amount of rentals we were doing, dropping off, dropping off. And then COVID happened and mm. rentals got shut down. Mm-hmm. So there was no rentals for the first six to eight months. In some ways, it's a good thing because it was an opportunity to not have to do those anymore. So when we started cleaning again, I could tell people I don't want to take on more rentals and just focus on keeping our employees working, doing other things. Most recently, our biggest thing is we do a lot of construction cleaning, a lot of prep for sale cleaning because of the housing market, because of the construction market here in Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and those are jobs where people can go there and be there all day. Um, it's a lot more feasible than traveling around, you know, three hours a day. I mean, a lot of the biggest costs in our business is traveling. So, I mean, some some crews might rack up, you know, 12 hours, you know, 14 hours a day of just traveling. And we pay that. The clients don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it's a, a huge expense, not to mention the gas and everything else about it. Oh. So, you know, to going from where we started to where we are now, that's a big change. It's huge. Jeremy, when we first talked about doing this interview, you told me that you wanted to bring your dad because you wanted him to tell his story. Is there something yeah. about his story you want to tell? Um, well, I just think for a lot of people, when things don't go well, um, when you have difficulties, whatever they may be, and you're a person of color, especially black man, it's very hard to um, get people to overlook things, um, maybe any mistake you've made in your life, whereas other people may get that that opportunity. And I think it's, it's important. His story is important in a lot of ways because there's not a lot of businesses that start, you know, one employee to, you know, almost 20, uh, you know, in the way that we have for the extended period that we have. And to do all that with the difficulties, I mean, even between us growing up, you know, the difficulties, um, but to kind of power through all of that and you know, put your head down and work really hard and, and have, have it work out. It just, it just doesn't happen a lot. Um, at least, you know, not in, not in the, in the world as it currently is. Um, and in general, it's incredibly difficult. I think the most difficult part of business is capital and having money, um, to invest in a business, to be able to do things, to grow your business, and as a black man, you, I, I mean, even us, when we got big, I mean, we mm-hmm. doing large amounts of revenue, lots of employees, you know, couldn't even get our own bank to give us a loan, you know? So like, yeah, it's a big problem, I think, in America that, you know, you walk into, you walk into a bank and the color of your skin changes the way they deal with you. Um, and it, this is still a problem that persists. It does it. This has this part hasn't changed. Lending, banking, and race. Like until there's be, is more equity for everyone. You know, we're gonna, you're not going to see a lot of black business owners, and it's one reason you don't see a lot of black business owners. Same reason you don't see a lot of black property owners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can't get that first loan, if you can't get you know, the down payment on that house, if you don't have a parent or a grandparent who's passing you down land because your parents or your grandparents weren't able to even have any, Mm -hmm. then how do you do anything? Mm -hmm. You don't. And so I just think in a lot of ways, it's like, uh, I guess in some ways we found this one little place where we could kind of, at least in some ways, flourish. And 
you know, in a lot of ways kind of beat the odds, you know, because the, the society just doesn't support you in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to basically pick yourself up off the, your, your own bootstraps every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're st- we still experience that to this day. Um, and it will probably always be that way until, like I say, there's ma- major changes, especially, like I say, in the in just the amount of money that's lent to to Black Americans. I mean, it's just the, it's astronomical how how little is actually being lent to Black Americans to start businesses. I've talked to other business owners; they they all have the same problem. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you just because if you have collateral, you own your house. Yeah, that's one thing. But what if you don't? Right. You know, how do you get that first investment? How do you get someone, you know, unless it's a private person investing in you, you know, how do you get that? Because you can't really grow a business. You can't really create more capital unless you have some to start with. I mean, it's just the way that it is. And it's not easy to save, you know, capital and survive, you know. So you're not, you know, just you're kind of always behind the eight ball in that sense. And I think that one reason black home ownership and business ownership is down is is that's a problem we just haven't addressed as a society. Mm-hmm. Marin City is celebrating its 80th anniversary of being incorporated, and we had three different business owners that we've interviewed, uh, and a lot of the history of Marin City has come up. There are so many Marinites who are not aware of the history of redlining, of, of all the things that you just spoke about right here. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that was the impetus for for why we wanted to start these conversations in the first place. I certainly appreciate your story, both of you, and your honesty. When you started, Milton, mm-hmm. were there any other black-owned businesses in Stinson? No. Are there now? No. No. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I know for me... I had bad credit, everything, so the thing I had to do was when I did make money, I had to save it to buy one car, then save it to buy another car um, until I got my credit and everything right, which took years. Mm-hmm. I was on money to IRS and child support, you name it. I was a mess, and um, I took care of all those things after so many years, mm-hmm. but the banks, nobody would ever loan me anything, SBA. Nobody. Um, so little by little, I would just buy things like a vehicle or here and there. And when they did start lending me money, I could only go through these merchant cash advance who charge you, you know, these high rates. Yeah, 15 to 25 percent interest mm. rates on um, three. The, the system on, does not set up, seem yeah, to be set yeah, up for yeah. success. I mean, when the pandemic hit, we had to take out MCA loans to keep our employees paid. And that was at the time of the only the only way we could keep, you know, getting the money we needed to kind of stay. Keep our doors open. Yeah, and to, and to keep our employees paid, really. I mean. You did a lot of community service during that time. Because I think you cleaned those bathrooms when they got reopened, right? Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, they were pretty bad. They had, like, shut them down for, like, a year. <laughs> they, were, they were in pretty bad shape. We, yeah, we, we got to do all the dangerous stuff. Does anybody know about that? I mean, we did a lot of stuff. Like we went into the post office every day, cleaned all the surfaces, because at first COVID, you didn't know if really how it was being transferred. They didn't know if it was surfaces. Well, the post office stayed open every day. You know, we did that. We did that for a long time until we started learning that the surfaces were not as you know. But it took about six to eight months before <laughs> we figured that part out. But at least at first, uh, you know, we were trying to like 
do our part. We did things like spraying all the park benches down. We we were spraying in front of Sergio's store, although he paid us to do it. Mm-hmm. We did we did cleaning um, for some other clients. We did cleaning at like um, a preschool. We did unlike a lot of businesses that really did close. We closed down certain aspects of our business, but not everything. And I mean, at first it was scary, you know. I mean, I was I have little kids at home, and yeah. I was taping everything up with like, you know, just keep trying to keep people safe we had like plastic coverings in our vehicles to keep the employees separate and Mm -hmm. like this crazy cleaning regiments and i'm taking all the information i can get on the internet anywhere about what to do all these things like how to dispose of that and then we put the trash bag in the second trash bag and then you (laughs) but just all an effort to try to keep people safe and i mean that was at a time too before they said to wear masks which were actually the safest thing to do Mm. right so we're all worried about, like, don't touch this, clean this, wipe Washing this down. Washing vegetables, I mean, yeah. Or and, spray them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, then, and, then, and then once, obviously, once we learned the masks and the distancing became the focus mm-hmm. and getting away from the, the surface stuff. But at first, that's first six to eight months, that's what it was. But let me tell you this story first. <laughs> um, before COVID, okay, we heard about it in China, right? Right. So this guy here was buying up mask and buying up this and I'm saying and I'm saying he's spending all of this money for what? It ain't gonna happen like you that. You thought over. he was crazy, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> I really did. He was like Amazon crazy. I mean <laughs> and I'm saying we're not going to need all of this. He said, watch, you just watch. And sure enough, uh, unfortunately, had, he was right. <laughs> yeah, we had enough stuff to share with the community of Stinson Beach. Wow. wow. Yeah, we donated uh, masks, gloves, disinfectant, you name mm. it, hand, hand sanitizer. Um, we donated it to schools. We because we had everything. Um, we were we were prepared. Uh, I didn't really wait. I, it was like the that Wednesday before they were saying we were going to shut down. I might have spent every last penny we had. <laughs> Told my dad, like literally every penny. On I might every, have spent. <laughs> yeah, I think I, really like on on supplies because I just, you know, I'm I'm looking at, at China and Europe and I'm saying, this is what's going to happen here. And if we think we're going to get out of this, we're wrong. And I everyone's telling me I'm crazy. And I'm, I even told my dad, I said. We're gonna have to shut down. That's gonna happen. He every again. Everybody didn't think it would really happen that way here. And then like, we'd wake up in the morning. The IJ article mm-hmm. comes out. You know, like yep, it was yeah. like, and it yep. was just like one thing after another. And literally within forty eight within forty eight hours, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't even find um, gloves, masks, yeah. anything. Yeah, totally. So for uh, two men who have felt prejudice and inequity throughout your personal and business lives, what inspires you to be so community-minded? It's beautiful, the amount of things you've done. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, just the way I was raised. I was raised in the South, uh, and I was raised by my grandmother. And um, she always would say, you know, no matter what happens in life, just keep going forward. You know, you're going to have a lot of obstacles. Just keep moving on. Just push it off and move forward and help those who were in need of help. So that was installed in me early. I guess it was installed in with Jeremy. Because when I started this business, um, I guess we had that hard-working mentality. He was a, a kid, and, and, you know, during the summer, he would come clean houses in Stinson with me, follow me around, like, you know, and, and work with me the whole time. 
even all through college. He would come home during the summer, do window jobs and carpet jobs, you know, want, wanting to help others as well. So he would, you know, help his friend get a job part-time and work with him. And, yeah, it was just one of those things that we was installed in us early. A work yeah. ethic is a valuable thing. Priceless, maybe, thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I have to give credit to probably my mom. I mean, as a kid, I mean, she worked with uh, developmentally disabled adults. I mean, she worked a job where she made basically minimum wage for 25 years. Um, but she did it because she felt like she was doing something that really mattered. And it was important to those people, even though and people always say, well, you should go get a job that pays more money or do this for money. And my mom always taught me, it's like, you know, you could have all the money in the world, but, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not making an impact around the people like around you and the people you care about, and you're not doing something where you feel like, you know, at the end of the day, like you feel good about the person and the decisions you're making, that kind of thing, then you're really not doing anything. And so money never really has driven me. Um, and not having money most of my life probably made that a big part of it. I mean, I was, you know, when I went to college, I packed my car up, I, everything I owned and just moved myself into the dorms and, you know, was, had worked a full-time job to worked on the weekends that it had, bartending like doing whatever I could so I was just always and then I still was coaching basketball volunteering doing that I did that for eight years here too um and I think more because of who I am being that I'm a black male that and it, even more important that I take that responsibility of whether it's helping younger males learn that life's opportunities are there for them and that you know, they can kind of make anything they want out of them themselves. And then also, you know, taking care of my community, the people I care about, whether it's, you know, my family, my friends, or my employees. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we all have a certain amount of time on earth. When you're gone, the only thing people remember is not how much money they inherited from you. They don't remember that. But they do remember how, like, you made them feel. So mm, I think that that's how... You know, if more people had that kind of perception in life, we'd probably be in a much better place and a lot less selfish of people. You know, you you hear the saying, you know, customers come first. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't believe in that, <laughs> to be honest. We believe in employees come first. I was going to ask you about your staff. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> um, one of our things I think that made us very successful is the fact that we've had employees that started out with us from day one. We got employees from 20 years, 18, wow. 15, and 12. And they seem to stick with us. So what we try to do is make sure they're able to live in this expensive county. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is a very expensive county to survive. So our wages are far higher than most. And we offer more benefits. We have probably maybe 20, 25 I call good and clean company grandbabies uh, babies oh. from staff. You know, we've been around so long. Yes. And these employees who have babies and their kids start working for us. Mm. Like, you know, I try to get them to feel that they are owners in this company. And I think they feel that way. And they feel that kind of responsibility that they are part owner as well. And that keeps them here with us and make them, I guess, uh, 
more loyal to the company and they feel like they have a responsibility to us like we feel towards them. Which I think actually then does translate to your customer. If the employee is loyal to you and your business and your Uh business philosophy, they're going to carry out that philosophy. Yes, exactly. We just interviewed a a business owner who owns an in-home care business. Mm -hmm. And he said some similar things about taking care of the staff. Right. And how that comes back and and enriches the business, Mm -hmm. frankly. Yes. Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, at the end of the day, you know, like like I said, really trying to put our employees first is always, it means our employees show up to work every day on time. It means, like you said, with the cut, you know, they keep customers happy. We have a lot of, uh, like, some really high-end clients that they work for, and trust is a huge thing, and I trust every single person that works for us. I mean, we don't do a lot of, like, a lot of like wide hiring like other cleaning companies do or like ter- have turnover where it's like different person working every week or every year or any of that it's like the same people cleaning your house for probably i have some clients had the same people clean their house for 15 years same exact people so you know a lot of that a lot of that is something i think we can be proud of and i think it's a, i think it's important i you know in a lot of ways it's hard it's hard because as a business owner you you, you, your, your job is to make a profit so you have a business. Um, and so the battle between that and, and it, trying to keep your doors open and also trying to keep your employees happy, um, that's a battle we're fighting right now still um, throughout this pandemic. It's a battle we'll probably be fighting in, for the next few years until things somewhat normalize and hopefully we have a chance to pay back all the debt that we've taken on. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think, I think it was the right thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I know that like my employee, like, especially ones who wouldn't have found any other way to have an income because the way that the way that unemployment is dealt with and other things, um, sometimes some of those programs can be out of reach for people and be that as it may, there isn't that safety net for them when, you know, that first year, especially people just weren't working. So looking back on it now, probably even the perspective of it, like that makes you feel good. It makes you feel like, you know, yeah, you did something there, you know? Definitely. We've talked about this before that when you have people in roles of authority, whether it's business ownership or public officials, anybody's perspective is only as large as their experience, right? And so when you have those decision makers or those company owners and you have experienced adversity, you're not going to let those employees go without a check because you know what that feels like, right? And that may not be in someone's perspective if they haven't ever experienced going without a check in a check-to-check lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know? And all of those inequalities you were talking about earlier, if we had decision makers who had that in their realm of focus or consciousness, we would be in a different circumstance and i'd and i'd be remiss to not mention the fact that like no matter how much money we would have borrowed to try to stay in business and keep people paid it really was the difference maker and why we're even still here was our clients because Mm -hmm. i had some clients that donated to be able to do that 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 really made Mm -hmm. a big big difference they really saved us and i'll never forget what that what that really did for us and for our employees and our Mm -hmm. employees won't either they, they really, know, you know, they know. It's really fun to see the two of you together. Uh, I'd love to know what about Jeremy makes you the most proud as his dad. 
it's so many things. Uh, he he's he has a work ethic that I've never seen in anyone, um, and he he's a he's a leader and a teacher. He when he does things, he he likes to teach you, not just tell you. You know, he same way when he's he's coaching, he don't leave anything out. So he he's a born leader. He cares about people, and he cares. I mean, to a point. Sometimes maybe too much for me, but <laughs> that's that's fair. That's very fair. He have a great love of people, and the people around him, and I guess that's what I'm so proud of him about because he's a very caring and loving individual, and and that know that has a lot to do with his mom. Oh, <laughs> I would say that's a fair assessment <laughs> on both counts. <laughs> That's very nice. It's really, uh, it's been a pleasure to meet both of you. I think you both seem to have not only a high regard for each other, but for your community. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I certainly don't have any authority to speak on behalf of Stinson Beach, but I, I know a few people out there. I know that there's so much gratitude coming back to you, too. It's a great relationship. I look forward to seeing those little hybrid cars yes. <laughs> driving back and forth over the hill for a long, long time to yeah. come. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you both. To get some good and clean services, contact Jeremy and Milton at goodandcleaninc.com. That's goodandcleaninc.com. And if you want to join the conversation or make suggestions, reach us at weareonemarin at gmail.com. The Marin Community Foundation generously sponsors this podcast. Our theme music is performed by a student at Enriching Lives Through Music. Elm is in San Rafael's Canal Neighborhood. Finally, a reminder to support diverse local businesses and shop Marin.